The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am interviewing a Missing Link member who does not have multiple sclerosis, but rather a very rare condition that is often misdiagnosed as MS. It's called Susak syndrome. Her name is Siobhan, and she shares her diagnosis story as well as how the Missing Link has helped her go from using her Bioness L300 to reduce foot drop to now not needing any AFO or stimulation device to walk well. Siobhan, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Gretchen. I'm very honored to be on here. Yeah, I'm so excited to be interviewing you because I think your story is so relatable and others will feel less alone and also inspired that there are things out there to help them towards their symptoms that they're struggling with. So Before we get to all of that, of your symptoms and what you're going through and what you've tried, can you share a little bit with us about your diagnosis and what that journey has been like? Yes, it really started at the end of 2008. I was starting my 11th year as a high school biology teacher. So I always loved biology. I loved teaching and uh, I started having headaches and then like migraines, but I then forget to take my medicine. And because I was a teacher and just very organized, I'd write notes on what was happening like I forgot my medicine or had a nap today because I was so tired. And so yeah. my symptoms started becoming more and more debilitating. So it started uh, to become affect my memory and my speech, which was a really tough thing to get. And so by the beginning of 2009, I basically spent the next few months going in and out of Johns Hopkins doing IV steroids, which I respond to really well. So then I'd have like a period of calm where I was okay. And then I'd have a flare up again. And be like, oh, now I can't walk very well. So I'd be in and out. And luckily during this time for me is I didn't know what was happening. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know really what happened between January and April of that year. But I remember certain things. Like I remember being in school for the day that Obama was inaugurated because he showed it on the TV. Like I remember some specific things that people like, that's not possible, but it is. And so it's strange. So by April, I was well enough to really be dismissed and kind of stable, not getting any worse and so then I started my journey of physical therapy occupational therapy speech and cognitive therapies so they knew my disease was similar to MS but not MS and actually the radiologist I had at Hopkins now is my radiologist at NIH so he knew it wasn't MS but it was something very similar mm-hmm. so all, most of my symptoms are very MS related related what symptoms made you think that it might be MS well the walking specifically, I didn't have any visual symptoms or anything like that at that time, but weaknesses, like I had a weakness in my left side, 
And so they thought maybe, but at that time, I had come back in and they'd come up with another diagnosis, which I'm sure people have experienced this a lot of coming in, diagnosing something else. So I was lucky in November 2009, I was lucky enough to get into the National Institute of Health in the undiagnosed disease program, which was fairly new at the time. And I got into that and um, they couldn't diagnose me at first, but they kind of kept me on, in their studies under the neuroimmunology clinic so that they could kind of keep track of me. And they get you to come in to do something for them, some blood work or MRI, and then they'll check something to try and discover you. So they kind of keep an eye on you. And I did that for a couple of years before I kind of maxed out of qualifying for those studies. And then 2013, I went to England with my twin daughters who were eight at the time. I went by myself and my partner was going to join me there. First night there, I had a flare-up. And it was oh scary God. because I was in England. And so my partner got in touch with a neurologist that I'd met at NIH. who said to me, let me know what happens. I want to keep track of you. And so she got in touch with her and she's like, come home. Oh, wow. Like, we can't. We're on vacation. So I, after two weeks, went back and I immediately went to NIH where they were able to diagnose me. Did So she spent those two weeks basically looking through my records and she knew what I had. She's like, I think she's got Susak syndrome, but she just needed the test to prove it. So they diagnosed me with Susak syndrome, which is a very rare autoimmune disease, and it affects less than 500 people worldwide. It specifically affects the small blood vessels in your brain, your eye, and your ear. So when I was in England, my vision was kind of like, you know when you get an eye test and they make your eyes really blurry? Yeah, It's like that, so you can still see, but you can't see well. Gotcha. And my hair, because I've been in the undiagnosed disease program, they were able to know that my hearing had really gone, not totally gone, but like been reduced from my normal level. So it was good that I was in that because it had normal levels of everything. So since then, they put me on immunosuppressant drugs. And so since then, I've been stable. And so I'm at a stage now where they don't know if it's because of my medicine or just because I'm in a like quiet period of calm. So so that's been since 2013. So what have your symptoms been? And whether we're calling them symptoms or just things throughout your day that you've been noticing yeah, difficulties, within yeah. the last nine years. And uh, most of them have stemmed from the first occurrence because they were able to get my hearing back and my eyesight came back. It was fine, but I have a lot of spasticity. And at first I thought I'm just getting stiff, I'm getting old. But this was 14 years ago. And so my doctor's like, no, it's not that, it's your disease. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Because my muscles are stiff. It's not a joint thing is my muscles are really stiff. And that's really annoying because no amount of stretching and things makes it go away. So walking has been a major problem for me. So I love walking. I did love walking. So I used to go hiking all the time. So I've done like some major hikes. Like I hiked the Grand Canyon in a day, which is like one of my major achievements. I walked the Maryland section Appalachian Trail, which is a 40 mile hike over like three days. So I've done some major hiking that I love doing. So I used to love hiking, but now walking is a chore to me. Mm-hmm. So there's too, so many things you have to think about when you walk in. I have to place my feet right. I have to make sure I lift my leg high. I have a hard time lifting my, especially my left leg. And my right leg's okay, but it's still not great. Like I look at how I walk now and I'm like, I need work on my, like I'm glad I do all my exercises on both legs because they both need work. Wow. That's really cool. And you actually bring up a really good point. It can be very challenging to tell why a symptom is occurring. Is it because of a diagnosis or is it aging? 
with MS and other neuromuscular diseases, it's really hard to tell. There's and I was in my thirties, like late thirties when this happened. So I wasn't old and I was, I was very fit and active. And so most of the time I knew if something was happening is because I'd overdone it, but it was different from sports injuries I've had. Right. Yeah. Hopefully 30 is too young to start aging and noticing those symptoms. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you never know. You never know. No, they say apparently after 21, you start aging. Oh my gosh. I know. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that kind of brings us up to date. And you mentioned before that you've tried physiotherapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy. When you've done that in the past, what was your experience? What type of exercises did it help? Share a little bit about that. Like I've always been really good about doing my exercises. Like they'll give me home exercises. I do them. Like I'm one of those who actually does them because I want to get better. As I said, I was very fit and active. And so I, I wanted that life back. But sadly, I couldn't. I've got a different life now, which is great. But, you know, I wanted to get better. So they give me exercises and they were general. Like they weren't like strengthening exercises that were very general, very like strengthening your quads, strengthening your hamstrings strengthening your hip flexors, but nothing really specific in a way. Nothing that targets and nothing like what you do, which is very different. Yeah. And so did you notice an improvement from the general exercises? Somewhat, no, but not majorly. And so I then started really having foot drop and that was really making me really miserable to have foot drop. And so I started with AFO, then I got a walk aid and then I got a bonus. And so each one I've got, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is going to make my life better. So I get excited about it. And I think it's going to be the be all and end all. And it isn't. The amazing thing about getting sick is how you compensate for being sick and what you do to compensate for that. And so one thing that I did is I messed my back up trying to get better, like walking on like a treadmill, like too fast. And so the way I compensate for not walking correctly caused a disc to bulge out in my lower back and so that's still a problem I go to a chiropractor now and I can tell if I'm walking right she can tell me you're doing everything right because your back's in good shape yeah our back muscles overcompensate first like those are usually the very first muscles that will overcompensate when there's weakness in the legs and especially with walking so I can totally understand how that would happen now when you were using the devices for your foot drop were you also using a mobility aid or just the stimulation? Yeah, I usually had a walking cane. And my last in-person PT, I started finding out about roll eaters. I asked him about it and he's like, well, what do you want to achieve? I said, I want to walk faster and I want to walk for longer. He's like, a roll eater will really help me do that. And it's true. And I feel so much more stable using a roll eater. So like now at work, I leave my roll eater there and use a cane to get from my car to my work and then I use my rollator all day and I can put all my things in my rollator which is great or I can use it as a seat if I need to like when I was traveling this summer we used it to go through airports and it let me keep up with my family because we were like running for planes because you think got lots of time but you always end up running for a plane unfortunately and so it could let me rest when I needed to so I love rollator it's really good Yeah, I love relators too. And you're also touching on a great point on the benefits of having multiple types of mobility aids. I'm a huge fan of that. You know, there might be situations where a cane is best for you. 
but other situations, as you're mentioning, that a role later is what's going to help most. And so I think there can be a stigma around mobility aids in general, but they can really help with independence and allow you to keep up and do the things you want to do. Right, they can. And I feel like I educate my students by having a role later and they just think it's for old people. Well, they think I'm old because I'm an adult because they think every adult's <laughs> old. But, you know, they at least know it's not because I like a grandma and I can't walk. And I'll explain it to them. So I feel like I can educate them as yeah. to what it is. And in my role later, in my cup holder, I have a crocheted animal, whichever animal my daughter has crocheted for me. So right now I have an octopus in the couple yeah I like that so I can tell if kids have been past my classroom because my octopus has moved because oh. <laughs> I leave it outside the classroom because I don't need it in the classroom so it's just to get from place to place and that's awesome yeah all right so you were doing physical therapy general exercises didn't help a whole lot but you were getting different devices for your foot drop kind of progressing through each one First of all, how did you hear about the missing link and what drew you in? Why did you think that it was something you might want to try? Well, during COVID, I was home a lot. I started looking online for people who inspired me or were really positive influences in my life. So I started following people like Audra Shepard. I found the Chronic Con community. So the two things I found that were really good was you and the Chronic Con community. With you, I was like amazed that you just put like a, a reel on of how to do something easier like getting out of a chair what you can do to do that and like she just does this like to educate people just for free I'm like this is amazing like she's cool and the way you describe things like so specifically and talk about how which muscles should be hurting and which muscles shouldn't be hurting or you're doing it wrong is like amazing so I was like, really impressed and so then I got in touch with you and you talked about how you often get teachers who do the missing link while they have time in the summer and then do the exercises all year so that's what I did I did join the missing link last August and did it for a month and then kept a copy of the spreadsheets and then would print those out which I have right here because it's where I do my exercise and it's literally like 20 minutes a night and it's just all getting a schedule of doing it after my dinner or before my dinner, I'll come downstairs and I do my 20 minutes of exercise and check it off. I noticed that within a month, I would say I could lift my legs easier. So I was wow. also in a different really fairly quickly. I love that you know how people compensate. So you know what people will do to try and make it easier for them, because obviously people will try and make it the easiest way they can. And that's <laughs> yeah. just human nature. And so right. you'll say it shouldn't be hurting here or you're not doing it right. I love how you'd be like, all right, if you can't do it much, just do it a little bit. Like, I didn't believe neuroplasticity could work when someone's been sick as long as I have. And so I'm definitely convert because I thought it was only like the first couple of months. And we didn't know really about this like 14 years ago that this could happen. Yeah, I agree. I've been an MS specialist for almost eight years now. And you're right, but even back eight years ago, neuroplasticity was still being researched and really just coming out, especially in the MS community, that it was something that would occur for people with MS and some of the other neuroimmune diseases. So I'm glad to hear that you're a convert because <laughs> a lot of people are skeptical of neuroplasticity. And yeah. I, I can see why it does sound too good to be true that- 
your brain can rewire itself or strengthen new pathways or old pathways that are already there. So I love how you say things like if you can move it only slightly, that's good. Keep doing that. And a couple of weeks time, you'll be able to move it slightly more. And it happens. It's amazing. I love how you stress. It's all about quality, not quantity. Because I'm obviously from doing a lot of things, doing it fast, getting it done. But I really have taken that to heart, just really slowing down, really doing it well and doing it good quality. Yeah. So, okay. You mentioned that you were a Missing Link member for a month or so in the summer. Then you stopped during the school year, did the exercises, left the program, and then you came back for this past summer. So what has your experience been this time around now that you were a second time Missing Link member? When I left last year, you'd put like one of the pool exercises on and not all of them. I'm like, I need to see the others because I use the pool a lot in the summer. The pool is great because I can walk like forever in the pool. And it's so different to what, like, as I said, walking's a chore now. But in the pool, even though it's hard because it's got resistance, it's easier for me somehow. And so I love it. And so I want to see what things I should be doing in the pool so I could incorporate them into my pool exercises my kids laugh at me because I walk laps in the pool, but it helps. So it does. Yeah. There's so many exercises that you can do in the pool. My chiropractor told me it's like 10 times the resistance as air. I think it's only like five. I don't think it's 10, but I'm really stiff after it. So I really stretch a lot after it. The other thing I've done that I forgot to mention was I started doing yoga when I first got sick and that really helped me be more flexible. And when I've had the flare up five years after the first instance, the PT I saw at NIH was the same PT I'd seen before NIH. And she said, you look so much different than you did. You're so much more flexible. And so I didn't feel like in general I was flexible, but obviously I was somewhat. So yoga has been really good for me too. Yeah, it's so funny. Sometimes we don't notice the difference in ourselves because we're with ourselves 24-7. But someone who you don't see as often might notice some of these improvements, whether exactly. it's flexibility, balance, walking. Right. Awesome. So what benefits have you seen from the missing link? What physical benefits with your symptoms have you noticed? So I know my foot drop has really improved. I'd say I clear my feet 99.9% of the time, both feet. So it's really, really improved. I'm not using any devices, which is so freeing. Yeah, that's huge. So you went from using Bionis L300 and then previous to that was the walk aid and previous to that was AFO. So now you're not using any type of AFO. I'm still using a cane or a rollator, but I'm not using anything to make my leg move. Yeah. So how freeing is that? Like, what does your day look like now compared to previous to having this improvement? Well, there was always things that went wrong with my bionis. So there were always like, it wasn't quite charged correctly and it wouldn't go in the right place. And there was always something that wouldn't work. So my chiropractor would be like, she could tell that I hadn't been wearing it and, and she could tell the difference. So, but it's so nice to not wear it. It's just free. Like I don't have to put it on. Like, and I still think I'm like, I'm forgetting something, but I'm not, I don't have it. I can just go do it. The other thing I love is that you really have eliminated a lot of bad habits I had. So for example, I'll get in the car and I automatically lift my left leg up to bring it into the car. And it's just habit because I used to have to do that. I love that you say, try it three times and then lift it up because that's really gets you used to really trying it. So it really gives you a goal to work for. Yeah, absolutely. So in the pool, I've always been the 
last lane so I could hold the wall. I was listening to the podcast about not holding walls on my way to the pool. And so I, I couldn't get the last lane. So I went and next time I, I'm not going to hold the barrier in between because I don't need to because I can walk without it. And that was great. It's really cool hearing your feedback that the exercises have been helpful and especially helpful for your foot drop, but it sounds like gained as much knowledge and education from the little tips here and there of where to feel it. I didn't, I didn't expect that. And I love also about what a community you've built. I don't think you necessarily set out to build such community, but the fact that you go on Facebook once a week and you give tips there and how you can ask a question on the Facebook group and someone answers it. It's great. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. It's really cool hearing your perspective because a year ago, the program was different than it is now. It keeps growing and community is definitely one of those things where it's within the last year becomes so much more of a community. So it's interesting hearing your thoughts from a year ago and now. I love how you have on there. If you have a symptom, look it up. Like you can search it and he gives specific exercises for that symptom. Like, for example, hip drop. I realized I was doing that and I'm like, how do I solve this? And you'll have a video on how. I love that your videos are really good. And as I said, because you know what people will do to compensate, you can say where you should feel it and where you shouldn't feel it. Yeah, I think that's so important, especially with a virtual program, because it can be so easy to think you're doing an exercise right, but you're not. And one of the best ways to know if you are is where you're feeling it. So I like to call that out in each of the videos. And I can tell because I I hurt after exercising, especially in the pool, but in a good hurt, like I hurt in the right places. So I'm not hurting because I'm doing it wrong. I'm hurting because my muscles hurt, which is great to feel. Absolutely. I've heard that called hurt so good. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's a good hurt is what I call it. Yeah, I like that. Awesome. So are there any other benefits that you've noticed from the missing link that we haven't touched on yet? Well, I mean, if people are put off because it's not covered by insurance, it's pretty similar to what you would pay for co-pays. So it's not a big deal. Like I think, like, I think it's definitely worth it because that's what you would pay and you're getting feedback and so many resources. I think sometimes it could be a little overwhelming for people at first, just to navigate and just to realize. So I think second time around, I was like knowing what I should do and how to look for things. So it was a little easier than the second time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good point. Because when you do in-person physical therapy or physiotherapy, usually it's multiple times a week for several weeks, if not months. And that really adds up. And this you have 24-7 access to. It's just leaving it to the person to be motivated to do it. Yeah. And that can be hard, obviously. But as I found, if you make it part of your routine that I'm doing this after dinner every night for 20 minutes, then that's what I do. That's part of my routine. It's like I wanted to try and incorporate more reading into my schedule. And so same thing. I like I have to read for like an hour every night or a couple of times a week. So it's just making it part of your schedule. Yeah. Have you utilized anything in the missing link for the accountability? Like the weekly challenges that go on or a group check-in calls? I've not because I use ChronicCom for that because they have an accountability group. So I didn't do that because I do it through ChronicCom. Yeah. So let's talk briefly about ChronicCon because if anyone doesn't know what ChronicCon is, it's an amazing community 
that you should know about. So give us a little bit of information on it. So when I found Chronicon, it was similar. I found that Nitika Chopra was on there giving advice. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like this woman's amazing. I said, spend the same thing as you. So eventually I introduced you both because I'm like, you're both doing amazing things for people and you need to be in touch because you can help each other and you have. So that's great. So the Chronicon community is a collection of people who are in it have some kind of chronic disease and there's a whole widespread number of chronic diseases we have various different events so for example I was at an event last night that was how to tell you your story if you're interested in doing it which was interesting because I was doing this podcast today so I'm like I feel prepared to do it now because I've actually already prepared some things to do or they'll have a chronic con connecting where you just meet and chat and it isn't necessarily about health issues but you understand you have an understanding that you can't explain so I've met a few people in person, like when I've been in New York, I'll say I'm in New York, you want to meet up and you just, you just have a connection. You just, you can just say to someone, I had a bad day today, and you're like, oh, I understand. You don't have to explain it. You just know. And that's so nice. And I'm so grateful I found both. Yeah. And I will put the link for the Chronicon community in the show notes. So if anyone listening is interested, you can go there and check it out. I know there's a few members who follow you or have been part of missing link as well so awesome yeah I taught a class for the Chronicon community probably about a year ago so it's such an amazing community that truly does help you feel connected and less alone without even as you mentioned without even having to talk about what your diagnosis is there's people in there with so many different diagnoses but it's just a place that can help you feel connected and supported Right. And I've learned that a lot of people who've been in groups specifically for the disease have found them quite toxic. People will be like, oh, this is how you might end up with MS. And they'll right. just show you what could happen. And mm-hmm. we don't talk about those kind of things in chronic can We just talk about what's going on now or what the day was like. Like one of the things I love about it every week, like twice a week, they'll do gratitude, what you're grateful for today or what's your win today. And it could be as simple as like I put on mine last week that I wore a white shirt for the day and it was still white by the end of the day. I knew that people could relate to that. I love that. Absolutely. That's the hardest thing to do. It makes you appreciate the small things. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. So to wrap this up, if there's someone listening right now who does have MS or maybe another, any other neuromuscular or disease that's affecting their mobility, what words of wisdom or what thoughts do you have from your own experiences that they might find helpful? I think if you have the motivation to want to get better and really want to do it, this will really help you because you have a a game plan of what to do. If you follow the steps, you can get to the goal. So follow the steps and you'll see improvement, as I said, within like a few weeks to a month, you'll see increased strength. You'll feel it. You'll feel the good hurt. Yeah, I love that. And that's so true. I think you and I have similar personalities in that I need to have a plan. I need someone to tell me exactly yeah. what to do. So that's what I put in the program. And that's, you... that's why I think that's why I like it so much is because do this, you'll get this goal. Yes. Like I was in math today and I said to the kids, look, you have the steps to get an A. Just follow the steps, you'll get an A. If you don't follow steps, you won't get that A. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Siobhan, thank you so much for sharing your journey and telling us your story with everything that has been going on over the last decade or so. I really appreciate it. And I know a lot of people can relate to it. So thank you so much. 
Thank you, Gretchen. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you loved this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast. <laughs>